Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Uh, we're in the middle of Samson. Samson, uh, one of the things we do here at Vertical Church, man, if you're new, uh, we pick a topic or, a, or, a, or a, a Bible passage or something like that. We talk about it for a few weeks and then we move on to something else. Sometimes it'll be a whole book or a letter uh, from the Bible. Sometimes it's a character. Sometimes it's a theme. What we're doing right now is we've taken Samson, this this character from the book of Judges in the Old Testament, and we've kind of broken it down. We kicked it off last week. If you missed it, just go to verticalchurch.tv. You can catch up there. Uh, we, we, we said Samson's this interesting character because he has all this potential inside of him. He was he, he kind of miraculously born. An angel kind of prophesied his birth to his mama, and, and he was what was called a Nazarite. He, he, he was born into this Nazarite vow, which meant basically three things. Number one, he would not drink any kind of alcohol or wine, nothing like that. All non-alcoholic drinks when he went to the restaurant. Number two, he would not touch any dead thing. Uh, he, he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't grab, touch, all that stuff. Uh, number, number three, he would not cut his hair. That's the one most of us are familiar with, that he would not cut his hair. He had long hair, long beard, all that stuff, right? Uh, well, we saw last week, he already broke the first two vows, like right off the bat. We have, we're, we're barely a few verses in, and he's already drinking, and he's already touching dead stuff. And so we know that, 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 that even though he's got all this potential, all of this like God-given uh, power and strength, yet there's this really weak side uh, to Samson. He's got a really weak kind of character or integrity. He's not very strong spiritually. He's strong physically, but not strong spiritually. And so uh, we took from that and we said, you know, there are three things that Samson says. He, he, I want it. I can handle it. I deserve it. We said, we don't want to do that. We want to respond something different. And so this week we're going to continue. Uh, if you want to catch up on Samson, like if you want to read his story, it's in Judges chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16. Today we're going to be at the end of 14, beginning of 15. And so that's, uh, that's the plan. If you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open it up. And hey, if you don't have a Bible, but you have a smartphone, do this for me. Two things. Number one, take it out. Open your Facebook app. Okay, what are you talking about? Just trust me on this. Open your Facebook app. When you open it, you'll notice this little box that says check-in. Click that and let all your friends know that you're here this morning and not somewhere else. And then invite them to come with you next week as we continue and wrap up Samson on Father's Day. Other than that, open up your uh, Bible app. If you don't have the Bible app, just go to your app store or Google Play, whatever Android does, um, and download it. It's a, free, it's a free download, and you can click that and open it up. And there's a little link if you go to the menu that says Live. If you click that and search for the word vertical, um, you can find a whole place there with the Scripture and some some notes, and a place to email yourself and share it on your social networks. It's really cool. We do that every week. Uh, that's there for you, ready to go uh, when you get here on Sunday. All right, uh, let's just dive in. Before we really get to the passage of Scripture we're going to look at today, I've got a confession to make. You know, confession is good for the soul. It's like cleansing. And so if you, if you humor me for just a couple of minutes, I'm going to cleanse some stuff that I've got on my chest. Um, I, I have issues. Now, if you've been here for a while, you already know that. <laughs> i got lots of issues. But one thing that I really struggle with in particular is road rage. Like, I, listen, I, the, the, the verticalchurch.tv sticker that's on the back of our van and expedition, that's there to keep me accountable. 
It's not there to advertise the church. No, no, no. It's there so that I don't fly into a rage on the road and like run somebody off. And then they're like, see, it's that vertical church people, man. And so, so that's there for my benefit. And if you want one, you can pick one up at the VIP area. I think there's some out there. Um, but, but a confession to make, I was not very good this weekend. If you don't know, uh, some of the ladies went to D.C. on Friday and I had the kids. We have three kids. Me and my wife, Hope, who was playing this keyboard. Um, we, we have three kids. Lex, who's eight. Cole, six. And Ava, who just turned two. And we've got another one on the way, number four. Yay. We're like trying to start a basketball team. We're better than the Lakers already. All right. Um, <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, so I've got them all in the van. And we just dropped Hope off. And I'm not like the kind of guy who's like, oh, I've got all the kids. I've got babysitting. You know, I'm not babysitting. These are my kids. And so we're just hanging out, right? And so we're driving back home. And I'm on this two-lane road. And I'm driving, and I'm, not, I'm paying attention to what I'm doing, but I'm not like, you know, NASCAR driving with 10 and 2 and focused on what I, But this car pulls out in front of me. Like, turned to left and got right. Like, I've missed him by, like, seconds. And it ticked me off, man. I was so mad. You know, I was, I'm 87% sure that I did not say a cuss word, but I'm 100% sure I thought some because I was so mad. And, and I'm just like gritting my teeth. And I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get you. And I'm kind of looking, and I only see like two or three people in the car. I'm like, I could take them. I could, I could take them. They're, they look young. They look like teenagers. They're probably in high school, you know. I could, I could take them. So, so I start tailgating them, you know what I mean? Like I, I get up real close because I'm mad, and I want them to know that they cut me off. And so I'm like, I'm, and they speed up and I speed up. Like I'm, I'm, and so they turn on to the bypass, the, the, the Chesapeake Expressway. Now, I don't go that way to go home, but I'm like, oh, I'm going because I need to see their face. You know what I mean? You know that feeling like I need to look and see what kind of jerk just cut me off. And so, so I turn onto the, onto the expressway to start following. They speed up and I speed up and, I, and I'm like... By this point, I'm, I'm speeding, okay? I'm driving really fast, but I don't care because I'm like, I'm going, to, if, I'm going to pass them and I'm going to look at them. I'm going to shake my fist at them and they're going to know what they did to me. And if they stop, I'll stop too. And I'll show them what's up. And so I'm already planning. I'm like, I, you know, I can, okay, I'll do this to the first one. This, and so, and so <laughs> really, I didn't know what I was going to do if they pulled over. I'm like, oh, bye. But anyway, I'm chasing them. I'm speeding, right? And my kids from the back, they're like, Daddy, where are we going? And it kind of pulled me out of my road rage. And I'm like, oh, crap, you know. And so, <laughs> and so I'm thinking, okay, what am I doing? And it, and it kind of hit me. Like, I've got four options here, right? Number one, I could catch up with them, pull them over, and whip them all, right? And if I do that, I'm pretty sure I finally get my interview with Andy Fox on Wavy 10, because they're all over those kinds of stories. I'm like, well, that's probably not good. That's probably not a good interview. That's probably not going to be beneficial for the church, you know, if a pastor pulls over local teens and whips them on the side of the street. Not a good idea. So I'm like, okay, that's option number two. I chase them down, pull them over, and they whip me. Not good, and I still get interviewed by Andy Fox, except this time it's really embarrassing. Number three, which is more, more likely, I get a speeding ticket, which I don't need. Um, or, or I get into a, an accident, which is even worse. But none of those really kind of stopped my road rage. The fourth option completely pulled me out of it and brought me back to reality. And it was this thought. What if one of my boys tell Hope exactly what I'm doing right now? 
And so I just kind of said, we're going to Dairy Queen. Who wants ice cream? I am so wanting ice cream. I want to get there as fast as I can. Like, yay. And so anyway, that worked. Pulled me out of my road rage. I don't know if you have problems like that, but I have these these issues where, where I want to live a certain way. I want to do what's right. I want to make the right decision. But then there's something internally, something inside of me that kind of, kind of pulls me in a different direction. It's like, I want to do the right thing. I want to make the wise choice. But there's this internal struggle, this internal emotion that kind of, that kind of, uh, drives me to act a certain way and make bad and stupid decisions. Now, maybe your thing isn't road rage, but maybe your thing is, you know, you, you, you work a hard job during the day, whether it's stressful, mentally, hard, physically, maybe it's a la- laborious job. Um, and you're thinking, when I get home, I'm going, to, I'm going to engage my kids. I want to engage my kids. I want to engage my spouse. I want to have conversation and talk and, and be the dad or be the mom or the husband or wife or, or, or the friend. Maybe I'm a roommate, and, and I want to be the friend that, that, I kind of, that I kind of dream about. But then when you get home, and it's like, I want to do the right thing, but really, internally, I just want to sit and crash on the couch and veg out in front of the TV. You know what I mean? Or, 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 or maybe, you know, you're like, I, I have this tendency inside to say something stupid, to shoot my mouth off, to, to fuss when I don't mean to fuss, and, and I'm not going to do that anymore, but then, but then I say something, and I'm like, I really should apologize, but I just can't bring myself to apologize. Or I don't want to blow up and, and, and melt down in front of everybody, but, but then when I go home and and, and, and it's, just, it's just dry, it's like something inside of me that just drives this to happen. Now, I know we're talking about Samson, but Paul, in Romans chapter 7, talked about this very thing. He, he, he said, he said, he said there's, this, there's this struggle that's like, like why, do I, why is it that the things that I want to do, I can't seem to do, and then the things I don't want to do, I end up doing? You know, that's what Paul says in, in Romans 7. Eventually, he gets to the point where he says, listen, the, the only way out of this is Jesus. And, and the thing that I struggle with, the thing that Paul was talking about, maybe the thing that, that you identify with, that like, I really want to do the wise thing, I really want to do the right thing, but something inside like drives me in the wrong direction, is the same thing that Samson struggled with. He, he kind of has a very similar issue, right? Let me give you a little bit of review of Samson's story up until now. We, we meet Samson, and, and he's like, he, he goes to this Philistine town, and he sees a hot girl, and he says, I want her. I want that girl. Even though God had already told the nation of Israel, look, do not marry with the people of this land because they'll draw, draw your heart away from me. Still, still, Samson's like, I want her. I don't care what you say, God. I don't care what my parents say. I don't care what's right. There's this internal thing that's driving me to make a bad decision. It's like, I want her. And so he gets her, you know, and he's getting married to her and and, and he, you know, he kills a lion, he gets honey, and we read all that last week. And, and, and we find him today, at the end of chapter uh, 14, he's, he's throwing a bachelor party, uh, and he's invited these guys. Now, now, he's in a Philistine town, so there are about, the scripture says there are about 30 Philistine men at Samson's bachelor party. Now, was it a 
just go with me, all right? Imagine it was a bachelor party. Kind of the same idea. And so he's hanging out before the wedding with these 30 Philistine men. And because Samson is really strong physically, but he's got a high opinion of himself, he's like, not only am I stronger than all of you guys put together, but I'm smarter than you too. Check this out. Look what, look what he says, verse 12. He's got these 30 men and he says, let me tell you a riddle. Not, I, not only can I beat you up, but I can outwit you. So, so he says to them, he says, if you can give me the answer within seven days of the feast, I'll give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. If you can't tell me the answer, you must give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes. Which all the women know exactly like that is a dude, right? Like men love to compete. Like it doesn't matter what it is, we're going to compete, we're going to see who's the best, we're going to, we're going to engage into a contest, and then it's not really a fun contest unless you bet a little something, and so let's bet something, which this is a stupid bet. Like I've seen stupid bets, but this is dumb. Check this out. If Samson wins, okay, if Samson wins, then these 30 men have to find 30 outfits, okay, which is really, if you break the math down, it's just one apiece. Like, each dude has to come up with one. That's not hard. Like, that's pretty easy. But if Samson loses, Samson's got to find 30 just of, by himself. And so that's not a, that's, those are not good odds. But Samson doesn't care because he's like, man, I got this, and I'm going to make this stupid bet. And you've made stupid bets, and I've made stupid bets because that's what guys do. And so he's like, all right, seven days, 30 pieces of clothing, 30 linen garments, let's do this. And so they're like, tell us your riddle. And here's, here's what he said. He says, all right, here we go. Verse 14. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. For three days, they could not give the answer. Now, we know the answer if you were here last week, right? Like, we, we can kind of figure it out because we know part of Samson's story that they didn't know. He's talking about, you know, the lion that he killed, that he went back, back by and he saw that the bees had made a, a honeycomb inside the lion's carcass. And so that's what he's talking about, you know, something strong, uh, the, the eater, the lion's the eater, and then, and then something to eat, the honey. That's, he's talking about that, but they didn't know that part. He didn't tell anybody about that. And so, so we kind of have this in so, oh, we know what he's talking about. And they have no clue. But look, what, look, look how the story continues. Let's, let's go on to verse 15. On the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, coax your husband into explaining the riddle for us. This is extreme. Check this out. Or we will burn you and your father's household to death. Did you invite us here to steal our property? They're like, what's up? Did you, is this like some kind of, some kind of riddle ambush? Did you invite us here just so you could take our stuff? You know, if you don't get this figured out, girl, we're going to burn you. That's extreme. You don't want to mess with those kinds of people because they're crazy. If somebody says, let me bet you something, and they're like, if, 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 you're, if your wife doesn't tell us the answer, we're going to burn her, don't hang out with those people. Like, that's not a good thing. But look what she does. Uh, she, she, verse 16, and Samson's wife threw herself on him sobbing, you hate me. You don't really love me. You've given my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. And he responds to her. He says, look, I haven't even explained this to my own mom and dad. Like I haven't told anybody. So why should I explain it to you? And then Samson's wife does something that, that women all over the globe, all time, have, have learned this is the way to get a dude to do what you want. Verse 17, she cried the whole seven days. She cried. You've done it, ladies, I know, right? You, 
I, I, I want this, so I'm just going to cry. And look, look at what happens. So on the seventh day, he finally told her because she continued to press him. It's like, I can't take this anymore. I'm just going to tell you. And then she, in turn, explained the riddle to her people. Verse 18, before sunset on the seventh day, the men of the town said to him, what is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? This ticks Samson off. Like Samson was furious. Not only was he mad and furious, but now he's embarrassed because they caught him. Like they, 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 they've got his riddle. And, and, and he says something that's just really weird in verse, the second part of verse 18. Look at this. Samson said to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my riddle. Now, men, there's something very, very, very important that God wants you to know from this passage of Scripture. Listen, guys, you need to take notes on this part right here because this will save you a whole lot of heartache and grief in your life. Never call your wife a heifer. Don't do it. It's not a good idea. Don't call her a heifer. Don't call your future wife a heifer. If you've got a girlfriend and you're not married, don't call her a heifer. Don't call her a heifer and don't let anybody plow with her. I have no idea. Man, that is a... Look, some of y'all need to read the Bible. Like, that's in the Bible. Like, that is weird. If you had to plow with my heifer... Like, hold on, Samson. All right. Samson, what happens is Samson caves into a weakness that so many of us battle. He, he, he reacts to this situation just not, not being led by the Spirit of God that has empowered him. No, he just reacts out of this raw, this, this raw selfish emotion. Not that emotion is good or not that emotion is bad, but, but, but the way he responds is just this selfish, um, internal... A pure emotion. And there's two of them that we see in this passage of Scripture that I want to talk about. The, number, the, the first thing that Samson is, is Samson was burning with anger. Number one, Samson was burning with anger. And it's these two things that drive us so many times to make bad decisions, so many times to, to respond in ways that are not healthy. The first thing he does is he's burning with anger. Look at this, verse 19. He went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men. He's got to find 30 outfits, so he goes and kills 30 men, strips them of everything, and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. You want 30 pieces of clothes? I'll give you 30 pieces of 30 outfits from dead guys. Burning with anger. Burning with anger. He returned to his father's home, and Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who had attended him at the feast. Now, you thought Samson got mad when they figured out his riddle. Imagine how Samson the hothead is going to respond when someone takes his wife, takes his fiancée. I mean, he's embarrassed. Somebody plowed with his heifer, and now he slaughters 30 men to, to get revenge, to take their clothes. He, he uses the power of God that, that has been given to him to, to enact his selfish revenge because he's embarrassed and he's angry. Now, we don't know how long this killing spree looked or took because Ashkelon was like 20-some miles away from where Samson is. So he had to go there. He had to find the 30 guys. He had to kill them. Then he had to strip them naked pack their stuff up, and come back. We don't know how many days this took. But apparently in those days, 
It wasn't uncommon if the husband just disappeared that the father would just give the girl to another guy that's at the wedding. That wasn't, to us, that's weird. You know, to us, that's just bizarre. But, but in those days, that was pretty normal. But when Samson returns, he is furious. He goes into a rage. I mean, how demented and, and, and devious of a mind do you have to be to do what Samson did? Check this out. Here's what he did. He goes out and he captures... 150 pairs of foxes. I don't know how to catch one fox. Where do you even catch a fox? But Samson goes, he captures 150 pairs. That's 300 for those of you who are not good at math. He, 150 pairs of foxes. And look what he does. He, he ties their tails together and sticks a torch between them. That's insane. That's like, that's sadistic and, and you should be on an episode of Criminal Minds if you do that because you are a serial killer, right? This is crazy and demented. I mean, I mean, I don't know what the fox says, but I'm pretty sure what those foxes were saying. Do you want to know what those foxes were saying? They were saying, oh crap, my butt is on fire. That's exactly what the fox said. He sticks a torch, and then he just lets them loose in the field. And they're just, they burn up everything. If you could just imagine this scene of foxes tied tail to tail with a torch between them, running around setting stuff on fire. This is crazy. What do the Philistines do? Well, the Philistines aren't going to stand for this. They, they get angry, and they find out Samson did this, and check this out. They grab Samson's former wife, his fiance, his the, the, the girl that he's angry that he, she, she went to another dude, and they burn her, and they burn her father. They, they get back at Samson. And here's something that we all need to understand. When we have these uncontrollable outbursts of anger and rage, it always costs us something very special. And it will cost those you love what anger will do to us, man. When we have these outbursts of anger, it will cost us. And it will cost those we love. Now, the thing about anger, for many of us, it's a default emotion. Anger is a default emotion. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Anger is the thing everything else becomes. So you get embarrassed. You don't know how to process being embarrassed, so it just turns into anger. You're, you're jealous, but you don't know how to process being jealous, so it just turns into anger. I am guilty of this very thing. I get frustrated. I don't know how to accomplish something, and I get angry. Somebody gets hurt, like one of my kids will get hurt. They'll do something, maybe not a wise decision, but they'll get hurt, and I'll get angry because anger is my default emotion. Maybe it's yours. Do you find yourself, you know, responding in anger when you're not really mad, you're frustrated. Maybe you're not really mad, you're hurt. Maybe you're not really mad, you're embarrassed. And so you respond out of anger. Like, like there are some of us in the room, if we stub our toe on a kitchen chair, like, you'll sit down and you'll, like, nurse the toe and you'll go get some salve for your toe and you'll talk kindly to your toe. Oh, toe, I'm so sorry that you got hurt. Let me... If I stub my toe on the kitchen chair, I kick the chair. Because it's the chair's fault. I kick it, and then I look at it, and I say, I hate your chair. I, ha I will destroy this chair. I pick it up, and uh, just slam it on the floor. My wife just looks at me like, what are you doing? 
stubbed my toe on the chair. What did the chair do to you? I'm mad. Why are you mad? Because my toe hurts. My little toe, it's the smallest toe I have, and it causes the most pain. I'm just angry. I mean, that's what I do, man. I, I default to anger. Something happens at work. Maybe your boss gives you a project at the end of the day that you weren't expecting, and you're frustrated with them. But you don't know how to deal with the frustration at your boss, so when you go home, the frustration turns into anger, and you yell at your kids. What did they do? Nothing. You're frustrated with work, but you've turned it into anger. Something happens, uh, you know, you get, you get embarrassed at the gym and then you explode on your friend at lunch. Well, what did they do? Probably nothing. You're still processing the embarrassment and you've turned it now into anger and it's got to come out somewhere. You see, here's something I've learned in the few years that I've been a pastor. The angry, like, like anger is oftentimes just a mask for hurt, for pain, for regret. The angriest people I've ever met in my life, just full of hatred and anger, when you peel off the layers of all of that anger, what you find in the middle is somebody who got hurt. You find someone who's experiencing some kind of pain or, or some kind of regret. They made a decision that they regret, and now they're angry about it. This is what Samson is. I mean, let's just look at, like, like why is Samson really angry? He went to the Philistine territory. He made that choice. He picked the girl. He decided to marry her. He taunted the Philistines with a riddle. He named the price of the contest. He's the one who knew the answer. He's the one who, who gave the secret away. He's the one who, who left his bride at the altar to go slaughter 30 men. He's the one who had the idea with the foxes and let them loose. Samson is mad at the world, but the reality is he's really mad at himself. And it all comes back to he's hurt and embarrassed because they got the riddle. He feels betrayed by his wife because she gave away the answer. He's so mad and angry. He's burning with anger, but really when you peel all of that off, Samson's hurt and embarrassed and betrayed. He doesn't know how to deal with that. And so many of us are the same way. We're, we're hurting. We're, we're feeling pain. Maybe we've made some decisions that we regret, but we don't deal with that. We default to anger. We just explode on people. That's Samson's first problem. The second problem is this, number two, if you're taking notes. Not only was he burning with anger, but he was also filled with pride. Filled with Pride. You see, Samson's still dealing with that anger, that, that, that just outburst, and, and he goes in the strength that God is giving him, and, and what does he do? He, he burns down the village, right? He burns down all the crops, and he, 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 he just wreaks destruction and devastation on this town. And now they're coming after him. Like, okay, dude, you do that to us, we are coming after you hard. And so they're trying to hunt him down. And he goes and he hides. And then, and then people of the town where he's hiding, they come like, hey, can we, they're coming at, and they, if they don't get you, they're going to get us, and can we, and he's like, yeah, just buy, like, tie me up, and then he, they, they tie him up, and when they get there, he just like rips, like something out of like WWE or something, he just rips the, the, the cords off, and look what happens, verse 
15 of chapter 15. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, and look what he said, because this is so key to what's going on in his life. With a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. He had this rhyming thing that he liked to do. Thank you, I appreciate that. That's so kind. That's my wife. Give up for hope, everybody. That's awesome. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was called Ramath Lehi, which translated means jawbone hill. He, he, he names the place after what he did with the jawbone. He takes this fresh jawbone of a donkey, which, by the way, fresh jawbone of a donkey means the donkey's dead. It probably hasn't been dead long, right? So what is, what is he not supposed to touch? Dead things. So he's already, uh, he's already broken that vow once. And so, see, some of us, check this out. Some of us think, oh, no, it's just this one time. But listen, once you break it once, it's so easy to break it a second time. Like some of us have these boundaries in our lives and we're like, I'm not. And then it's like, let me just do this once. Listen, once you do it once, man, the second time is 10 times easier to cross that line. But it's a whole different sermon. Anyway, God, God has empowered Samson with supernatural strength. And that's cool. He takes out a thousand Philistines. That's not the issue. The issue is when it's done, what does he say? I have killed them. I have made a donkey out of them. Which is a nice way of saying what the other word for a donkey is. You know what I mean? Like I have made asterisks. Money sign, money sign out of them, right? Okay, cool. That's what he says. I mean, that's like that's the legit, not politically correct Bible translation. That's what he's saying. I've made it out of them. Anyway, I have done this. I have killed them. Really, Samson, you, you gave yourself that strength. You did this. You, you, you're you're that strong, just by yourself. Like I could understand ten guys. Sure, maybe good day, but a thousand. You did that, bro? He's like, yeah, I did that. Look what, look what I have done, and I am so awesome. I'm going to rename this place. Well, what are you going to rename this place? I'm going to rename it, look what I did on this hill. That's what he, that's what he said. Look, this, this place will now be called, look what Samson did on this hill. So full of pride, man. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't give himself that strength. He didn't empower himself. That was God. And yet when it's all done, he can't give God any of the credit. But you know what I know about pride? Pride is so often born out of our own insecurities. Pride is almost always born out of insecurities in our own lives. Fear, worry, insecurity. You see, we want to prove ourselves. We want everybody to know, like, like look how great I am. Look what I've done. And so pride creeps in and kind of puffs us up. And so we're like, look how great I am. Aren't I awesome? But Scripture says that God opposes the proud. And that, and that pride comes before a fall. But for many of us, just like Samson, it's all like, look at me. Didn't I do awesome? Aren't I incredible? Aren't I like a superhero? Don't I have worth based upon what I have accomplished? Don't you want to be my friend now because of how strong I am? I'll show you. I'll prove to everybody how much money I got. I'll go buy that car that I don't even need just so everybody thinks that I'm good. 
I'll go buy that house that's too big for our family. And I'll go into, into an, an overwhelming amount of debt because then I'll be somebody. I'll have the house of my dreams. We're so full of pride. We're constantly trying to prove something because we just don't know how to like relax <laughs> and, just, and just to be comfortable with who we are. We don't know how to receive help. We don't know how to admit that we're weak. We're just constantly driven by, by anger, by pride. We're driven by fear. We're driven by insecurity. We're driven by the hurt that is just, that is just mounted up and, 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 and put up a wall of anger. We're driven by pain and embarrassment and betrayal. That's Samson's story. I mean, this all started again when Samson was hurt and he didn't know what to do with it. So he kills the 30 men, then he kills the 1,000 people. He's driven by his anger and his pride. He's driven by his hurt and his embarrassment. He's driven by his insecurity and his pain. And at the end of Judges chapter 15, we find Samson on the edge of death itself. Because check this out. Anytime that we are driven by our internal emotions like hurt and pain and insecurity, if those things are what's driving us, they will drive us off the cliff. And they will leave us in a place of devastation and destruction and despair. Look what, look what happens. Judges chapter 15, verses 18 and 19. Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, You have given your servant this great victory. Notice there's a change in Samson's heart now, right? Just a second ago, look what I've done, but now he's in this place of, 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 of vulnerability, this place of suffering, this place of death. And he says, he says, God, you're the one who gave this victory. Must I now th die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? He's on death's door. God, I'm so thirsty. I'm about, I'm about to die of thirst. Are you going to do this to me, God? Are you going to let me go this way? You see, he's been driven, just constantly driven. I'm going to get revenge. I'm so angry because I'm hurt. I'm so prideful because I've got to prove myself. And it's left him at this place of need. But look what happens. He, he cries out to God. Then God opened, verse 19, up the hollow place in Lehi. And water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned and he revived. So the spring was called, I'm not even going to try that, I'm going to give you the actual translation. The spring was called the place where he cried out. And it's still there in Lehi. He renames the place that he just renamed. No longer is it Jaw, Jawbone Hill. No, Samson has a revival on Jawbone Hill and he says, this is the place where I cried out to God. You see, Here's the thing that you need to know when you leave today. The place of our greatest need can become the place of our greatest revival. The place of our greatest need. The place where we find ourselves thirsty and on the doorstep of death itself. If we, like Samson, will cry out to God, it can become the place our greatest revival. Do you notice that Samson, his strength didn't return until he cried out to God? Like Samson's strength didn't return until he returned to God. 
And he cried out to God. And maybe you find yourself today, you've accomplished so much. You're so strong. You've come so far. But you're still thirsty. You're still hungry. Like you, 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 you still bleed on the inside. There's still hurt. There's still, there's still pain there. But don't be like Samson and let your hurt and pain create just, just carnage and devastation to you and to everybody you come in contact with. Don't be like that part of Samson. Don't be like Samson in 14 and the early part of 15. Be like Samson now. Go ahead and skip that and cry out to God now. Something about, there's just something that happens to us when we are aware of our need for God. God, I need you. If, if I win a battle, it's because you won the battle. If I am blessed, it's because you have blessed me. And maybe today you're not, you're not like dying of thirst. If you are dying of thirst, like go out and get a water, man. We'll give you one for free. No, no worries. But, but the point is, if we, let, if we let our needs drive us uncontrollably, they will drive us off a cliff. But if we let our needs drive us to God, God will meet our deepest need. And you know what? A lot of times the need that drives you to God isn't your deepest need. A lot of times that's just something on the outside. You see, it was Samson's anger and his pride that eventually drove him to the place where he cried out to God. But there's a deeper need. Look, you don't need another band-aid on the thing that you think you need right now. You need, you need a God who will change you on the inside. And yeah, you got anger issues, but maybe your anger issues are a sign of something deeper. And you need a God who's willing to go into the deepest recesses of your heart to heal that thing. You see, see, we, we need a God who, who isn't trying to clean up the mess on the outside, but wants to step into the mess that's on the inside and start dealing with stuff internally where we don't let people in where we keep hidden from everybody else some of us are dealing with all kinds of stuff and maybe it's because of your anger or your pride or somebody else's selfishness but something happened to you and it's driving you today will you let that drive you to God will you let that drive you to your knees where you just cry out to him finally just come to a place where you're like, God, I, I need you. I'm going to rename this place, not let me show you what I've done, but I'm going to rename this place as the place where I cried out to God. And maybe it's something physical in your body. Maybe you need a physical healing. Maybe it's something emotional or a relationship. Maybe you're, maybe you're not satisfied with your career. Maybe there's something worrying you or weighing on you and you just can't seem to get any relief. Would you just acknowledge today God needs you. I'm about to die here. Let me tell you, when you let your need drive you to God, God will meet your deepest need. He'll heal the brokenness that's on the inside. But it only happens when we, like Samson, Cry out to God. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, I pray that 
your Holy Spirit would just stir our hearts today. God, that you would that you would just cause that you would cause our hearts to respond and, and, and cry out to you, God, that, that, that we would be people who are empowered by your spirit, strengthened by your word, God. People who are not driven by the internal emotion, but people who are driven to God cry out to Him. Today while we're praying, everybody in the room has got their eyes down, their eyes closed, their head down. I just want to talk to you for just a second. Sir, ma'am, are you being driven by your hurt? Are you being driven by your pride? Or are you being driven by pain or embarrassment? Or are you being driven by those things? Would you just take a moment and just confess that to God? You don't have to confess that to me. You don't have to confess that to the person around you. Just confess it to God. Say, God, I need your help. God, I want to be different. I don't want to to default to anger all the time. I don't want to be prideful and arrogant. God, I want to be different. Lord, we confess to you this morning our anger and our pride. We confess to you our hurt. All the ways we make poor decisions, God, we just ask that you would forgive us. And Lord, by faith, we just we just surrender those things to you. We just we, we relinquish that to you. We ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would guide us and lead us. That you would just help us to be sensitive, God, to your voice. That we would be humble. That our needs would drive us to you that to you, just, just, just pray that to God, I, I, just, I want my needs to drive me to you. Lord, I cry out to you. Help me. Some of us in the room, man, our greatest need today is a relationship with Jesus. And, and, and maybe it's all the things that, maybe you're here today because all the things going on, you're like just trying to find some kind of hope, some kind of help, some kind of something that will encourage you or something that will lift you up for a couple of days and, and help you make it through. But but your, your, your need has driven you to a place of your greatest need, Jesus. And God brought you here today because, because you're hurting with guilt and fear. You're, you, you're in a place where you're like, I don't, I don't really know where I stand with God. And that's your deepest need, friend. It's Jesus. A relationship with Him. And when you call on Jesus, everything you've ever done, every sin, every bad choice, every bad decision, every outburst of anger, all of that is forgiven. And you become a brand new person in Jesus Christ. Scripture says that when that happens, it's like something new has been created. Something old has died and something new has been born. And that's why you're here today. Let that drive you to God. You'll meet your greatest need. If that's you, I don't don't want to embarrass you. I don't want to to draw you out to I do want to stretch. I want you to stretch a little bit, man. Just, just pray this with me. Say, say yes, Jesus. I need you. I'm weak. I need forgiveness, God. I need you as my Savior.
ready to, 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 to start that relationship with Jesus. Just Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. Make me new. I believe Jesus died for me so I could live for him. Today, God, fill me with your spirit. God, for new life that you give to Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell, and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, You can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.